When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. Our compatriot Noel is on adventures. They call me Ben. We are joined today with our super producer, Seth Nicholas the Shadow Johnson. Uh, most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. Uh, we live in interesting times. We do. Uh, yeah, but but some things are, are the same, uh, no matter where you go. You know, uh, if you live in the U.S., right, like in, if you live in many other places, you're probably taught that owning a home is one of those key pieces of the dream, right? Oh, yeah. That that is sold to us, at least in the U.S., because that's the only experience I have, very early on in childhood. <laughs> uh, what is it? Um, school, college, maybe marriage, depending on where you, where you live, and then a house and kids. And then what? what death? No, job. Job comes in there somewhere. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. 
Yep. There's a, it, it's weird because there's a tremendous amount of social pressure that tells us buying a home is, at least in this country, a step along the path of becoming a socially acceptable adult. That's what I would call it. And it's, you're right, Matt. It's up there with other milestones, having children, getting married, graduating, and so on. Uh, this is, of course, not true. Uh, you can and should live your life as you see fit. Uh, the, the thing is, we're also susceptible to peer pressure. I, I, I do want to point out for anybody who may feel sore about living in the U.S. and not owning a home, it is quite common in many other parts of the world for people to live in multi-generational family homes. Like, it's, it's kind of weird to have enormous pressure on an individual to buy a home, especially before they can afford one. It's, it's, even, it's even stranger, Matt, because a casual glance at economic trends post-World War II show that the American dream is increasingly mythical for many, many people. We've got decades of skyrocketing costs, you know, stagnant wages, accelerating inequality, uh, a decline in livable circumstances. They've all contributed to a, a slow burn crisis, a kind of macroeconomic dark night of the soul. And, uh, you know, you and I are, are no different, really, from anybody else. We all feel this pressure, right? You said from a young age, you, you were taught this as well? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think it's put on an individual, especially if their guardians or their parents own a home or, you know, are paying off a mortgage, which we'll get into and we've talked about before on this show. There's this pressure of, um, I should do what they do to be, because I want to be like them in some way, hopefully, if you've, if it's going well <laughs> with, with your folks or your guardians or whoever you're with. But, but then also there's that societal pressure of, I mean, think about the stories that are told to us the movies that we watch, the books that we read, it is so, so common to uh, have an individual start a family with a home being the cornerstone of that thing, that unit. Yeah, because it's a legacy, right? It's the place where you can plant a tree uh, that you will not be alive to see. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's fundamental. It's, it's human. Uh, it's also... And plus equity. And plus equity. Yes. <laughs> Oh, what's that line from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? You ain't no kind of man if you don't own land. Uh, and that, that reasoning, yeah. yeah, that reasoning is, you know, it, it's valid in many ways. But there's another factor at play here, and that's what our episode's about today. It's one that's often unreported or not as widely reported as it should be amid all the think pieces and the allegations and the blame games and speculation and scapegoating and our question is this, why do houses cost so much? Who's buying them? Well, here are the facts. And Matt, I'm going to defer to you on this because, you know, for a long time, I've just been too sketchy to commit to buying a home. I, I didn't know where I was going to be in six months or a year. So I, I, um, you I know you've got the, some kind of freedom of movement. <laughs> I've got uh, I, 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 all I'm saying is that uh, I understand intellectually the process, but not experientially. Mm. Oh, well, I can I can certainly speak to that. 
Um, it, I can speak to this. Any homeowner can speak to this. The process of buying a home, especially for the first time, oh, it, it, it's um, it's a mixed bag of emotions. Let's say you're, and it's not it's not easy. It's not a casual thing you can do. Um, it, it, it is a it's a process that is at times exciting. It's thrilling. Oh my gosh, a home. We're gonna we're really gonna do this. Be, I mean, that's mostly because of how expensive it is, and you realize that you're putting all of your money into something. Um, at other times, it's really tedious. You go through, like, good Lord, the amount of documents you have to sign to purchase a home. It's mind-boggling. And I don't care I don't care if you're the kind of person that reads every terms of service document. When you go through the process of buying a home and signing all those documents, you skim. And you, ha- and you, you have to do it unless you are blessed and wealthy enough to have an attorney do so for you. But in the end, it's just an exhausting process. And it is cavernous in a way, in a way, I think, as a barrier to to make it not like I think it's purposefully made not an easy process, at least for the layperson or the regular old person like you or I to to make a purchase. Um, but in the end, if you have the money for it, you, whoever you are, however you got that money, can buy a home, inside the United States at least. That's right. And this may be something that uh, that Seth the Shadow uh, may speak to as well. Uh, Seth, uh, off-air, uh, <laughs> off we were like, hey, Seth, do you have, do you have recording equipment? Uh, if the spirit moves you, jump in. So please feel free to share your war stories here if you wish. Uh, any excuse, really, uh, to see that magnificent pandemic beard you've grown uh, <laughs> pop up on the Zoom chat. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. There he is. Oh, yes. Do you give us permission to use your likeness on the video? <laughs> I give full permission. Yes. Yes. Nice. Okay. We'll send the uh, contract over uh, as well, Seth. But the point holds, Matt, and it's a very important point. In the U.S., anybody with enough cheddar can buy a house. There are various law. there are many laws, actually, uh, that are meant to prevent unscrupulous HOAs or unscrupulous real estate magnates or politicians from stopping someone from buying a house, right? Uh, If everything goes well, (laughs) it rarely does. If everything goes well, the process looks uh, something like this. And please, you guys jump in and let me know your experiences. And, And if you're listening along and you're in the middle of a home buying process now while fighting COVID-19, uh, hats off. You know what I mean? Power through. First, you have to figure out what you can afford. And then usually, unless you're doing an all-cash transaction, you get pre-approved for a sort of financial face tattoo called a mortgage. Uh, and so this is, uh, is going to depend on the decision of a bank. The bank's going to ask you a bunch of questions, and they're all questions that are well, as long as they're scrupulous, they're all questions. They're due diligence. The bank wants to know how much you can pay each month. And the main things they're looking at are stuff like how much you earn in income versus how much you owe in debt and what kind of debt. And how much liquid cash you have to put down on a home before the mortgage even comes into it. <laughs> that, that becomes a big thing. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, 10% down versus 20% down makes a big, big difference in your life and maybe the lives of your children and your loved ones. Second, and it's called and, mortgage insurance. <laughs> <laughs> second, and this is uh, this is something that I think is familiar to you guys. Uh, this is the part where I see a lot of hilarity coming in. You have to determine your needs either by yourself or with uh, your family unit, and that's when you learn very quickly that some people have different ideas of what a need is versus what a want is. Uh, one example from real life of a friend of mine, uh, he was very, very sold on getting this cool house that, no kidding, had a secret passage in the living room slash library, like a literal, like a fake shelf that would turn on one side and open up and it held real books. And then inside, you know, it's just like a smaller, I'll be honest, not a super impressive room, but it's a secret passage. That's so cool. Completely worth it. Completely worth it. <laughs> right? I know. I was very pro-secret passage, too. The problem is, as his uh, as his spouse gently pointed out, that this house was in the middle of nowhere. It was about three hours away from this guy's job. And he had somehow convinced himself, at least for a time, that he would be okay with a six-hour commute. So you have to be brutally honest about what you and your family members or the people you want to live with you actually need versus what they actually want. Do we need an indoor pool? Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But we cannot have one because we can't get one. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I, I wonder Seth, like, uh, I wonder about this next part with you because the, the home searching process when I was doing it back in 2012, 2013, it took months and months and months to find something that met those criteria, what we were looking for and what we could afford kind of in the same thing, the same home and a place where we could actually get to work from and not, you know, um, be angry at ourselves every two hours that we have to spend in the car. What was your detective process like in identifying a home? I am very, very lucky that my wife um, at the time was a librarian and also has a master's degree in the library sciences. So because of that, she's an extremely organized person and uh, it's it's wonderful. It helps my life in you know ways I'm sure I don't even realize. And uh, she had the most amazing chart that, you know, blocked out every single benefit that we were looking for, every single benefit that could exist, whether that be, you know, something as simple as an air conditioner all the way up to, you know, walkability in the neighborhood, you know, just like every single possible thing. You know, what, what restaurants are nearby? What school districts are you in? All, everything that could, could possibly be imagined. So it just became a logic puzzle at a certain point, And that was best, you know? But however, it took us years because uh, my wife and I moved here to Atlanta and then we knew we couldn't find a house remotely because we were moving from Los Angeles. And so we were just like, okay, what are we going to do? And very quickly we realized, well, we're just going to move into the first apartment we can find. And then we will spend what we know will be a year looking for an actual house to buy. And that's what ended up happening was we, we knew that we had a year to find a house because that's where we signed up for an apartment. And and 
it worked out, but you're right. It, it's it's a ridiculous process that takes so much time, so much energy, and it is treated like this uh, big momentous occasion, much like a um, uh, having a child or graduating college. It's, it's like this like life, you know, stepping stone, a, a big hallmark of life, and yet it's 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 just a house. Should it be this difficult? You know, <laughs> right? Why is it so Byzantine? You know, why is it purposefully like navigating a labyrinth or a minefield or a mm. labyrinth with mines hidden <gasps> in it? Uh, I, I would say. Minotaurs? It, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, minotaurs. <laughs> no, we're keeping it. Um, minotaurs, yeah. Uh, I would argue, uh, because I am a, a very much a Grinch, I would argue that at least part of the reason it's so complicated is because it benefits uh it benefits various industries for it to be complicated. Uh, also, you know, it shouldn't be easy because it is a big deal. Uh, that's why we call the pros, right? The vast majority of people, when they're when they're buying a house, um, even the very uh, the very very organized, like you, Seth, and and your spouse. Uh, pro- you guys probably called a broker, right, or an agent of some sort. Yes, correct. Yeah. And they're the ones who will be ideally, again, this is all ideal, they'll be bloodhounds. You set them on the case. This is what we need. Secret passage, air conditioner, uh, indoor pool, walkability, uh, 1970s-esque conversation pit, all of these things. Uh, and then the agent will say, okay, uh, what, what are you, what, let's talk turkey, what's the price? And then you'll try to work something out. Let's say you find that dream home, right? Picture the, you know, the trumpets and the angel farts. You first see the house, you make an offer. That offer comes with all sorts of caveats, which you guys can speak to better than I could. Uh, Things like a home inspection, uh, what comes with the house, you know what I mean? Do we get to keep the oven because we love the oven? Things like that. And well, yeah, and what other offers are already on the table? Because there's always one, no matter what. Always there's another counter offer on the table immediately, and it, you have to get yours in right now. I swear there's a conspiracy with realtors. <laughs> I swear. It's the hard sell, right? Act now. You know, uh, not every place has this shag carpet, my friends. You know, uh, so so let's let's say... To your point, Matt, uh, that that's an enormously uh, crucial part of this process, and it's you're going to see why in a second, folks. But uh, let's say the fortune favors you, the wind is at your back, as uh, they used to say back in the day, and everything works out. Home inspections a breeze, boom, boom, boom. You close on the house, and you look around at you know your backyard, and you're thinking, holy. Sh- I have a backyard now. Look at all this stuff I'm going to do with it. And, you know, you probably don't end up doing most of that stuff because, you know, people. But it's it's beautiful. And you and your bank live happily ever after. Obviously, that is a best case scenario. That is something that happens in an ideal world. And as anyone who's been paying attention can assure you, we do not live in an ideal world. That is very true. Especially when it comes to just what we have to do, each of us individually, what we have to make on a yearly or it's really monthly basis in order to have a mortgage, to pay a mortgage, to be in a home. Hey, 
maybe you don't even have a home. You still got to pay rent of some kind. You got to make that much money. And the overall cost of living, which includes the price of a home, like that final price tag that you end up getting a mortgage for, that is just rising all over the place, across the world, really, faster in some places uh, than in others. Uh, but here in the U.S., there's a big thing that's fighting. Well, there are several things that are fighting us as individuals uh, when it comes to this process. But ultimately, the buying power of a single U.S. dollar is not what it used to be uh, 20 years ago, let's say. It, and it really just means that that $1 that you make isn't going to go quite as far as it once did. And that's a huge problem. And if you if you take it to the government statistics, they really do show that while that let's let's call it household income, the stuff that you and everybody else in your house makes, whoever those people are, all of that combined is steadily increasing. Like that's nice, that's good. However, that increase, that increase of of all of you and your folks uh, is going like this, but the inflation is like this. If you're watching the video component of this, if not, let's just say that inflation is outpacing uh, the increase in household income. Matt did a really cool graph with his hands. <laughs> that's what that's part of what you're missing. We we can't describe it. Uh, YouTube.com forward slash conspiracy stuff uh, for I was going to try for, not to do that. No, no, no we, we got we got to keep doing it. This is like when you hear a stand up album. And the comic does a, a visual bit. Uh, so get the full experience. And again, check out <laughs> Seth's awesome beard. Uh, you're, you're right. Uh, you're absolutely right. And this is like, this is the moment so common in uh, Twitter and internet tropes today where like previous generations shout at the youngsters in their yard saying, you know, I never went to college. My first job paid $12 a year and two pigs. And with that, I was able to start a family of 16 and move into four houses, one of which had a witch barn. And then someone and they say, you know, rightly, it makes sense from that perspective to say, you make, you know, $30,000 a year. I would be I would be living like royalty with that. And then someone has to come in and say, well, $30,000 a year in 2020 is maybe not as much as $12 a year in three pigs back when you were in the game, my friend. Uh, like that's a cartoonish look at it, but the the point is true. I mean, specifically, like mm, it irritates me because people don't know how fast this happens. It's not like a, just a slow thing from 1930s on. No, 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 no. As of January this year, what a long time ago. Uh, something that would have cost twenty bucks in 1999 now costs nearly thirty one dollars. And you're not, you know, you're, if you're the average person, your wage is also probably kind of stagnant. And how, uh, and with that lower purchasing power of the dollar, we see that other big purchases are likewise expensive. College tuition. I mean, student loan debt is crippling this country. That is not a, con I mean, it is a conspiracy, I would argue, but it's definitely not a conspiracy theory. That, that dog is going to come back to bite. And already has. Uh, and this, this means that cars are more expensive in a very auto-centric country. 
they are all the price of those things also outpaces the rate of inflation. And and just quickly to talk to that, I'm, I want to give a concrete example. Just this concept that the prices of homes is rising far more than inflation and and leagues more than the increase overall in our wages, like the individual wages that people are paid. When we bought our home in 2013, it cost X, okay? Let's just say that it cost X amount mm-hmm. of dollars. Mm-hmm. We've we've only been here in, in this home that we purchased, in, what, seven years now. And the cost of the houses are in my neighborhood. They were all they all cost roughly the same. I mean, it was very very close, uh, a close range. They all now cost way more than my wife and I could ever afford. Mm-hmm. And 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 it is not it is not because this is an amazing up and coming place. It's because the prices of homes overall in the United States has been skyrocketing. And part of the part of the reason behind this episode is why the heck is that doing that? Why is that outpacing everything else? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like we said, of course, this is an effect that we see across many financial aspects of people's lives. It's just uh, profoundly exacerbated. When it comes to buying a home, uh, another concrete example for the automobile would be that the price of the most affordable new car in the U.S. has risen about 380 percent since 1990, which, you know, granted was uh, 30 years ago, but still 380 percent. It gives you that's more than 100 percent a decade. It gives you it gives that's you pause. Crazy. Yeah. And. This, these are two examples of these, um, these troubling trends. So the Bureau of Census reports that the average price of a new home in January of uh, 2000 was $194,800. So according to what we know about inflation, if we go to the handy-dandy inflation calculator, that price in January of 2020 should be something like $297,705. But the actual price in January of 2020 was more like $402,400. That is more than 35% higher than it should be if we're just counting inflation, which means that someone is making Tons of cash here. Someone is making tons of cheddar. It's compounded again by the very important fact that you mentioned earlier, Matt, which is that people who are trying to buy homes are working just as hard as their ancestors did. You know what I mean? They're just doing more for less. And for many people, this means that homeownership becomes an increasingly distant goal. You know what I mean? The finish line keeps moving. So what gives? I mean, supply and demand, obviously, right? You can't sell houses that don't exist, so you have to build more or people have to sell the ones they have. But there's something else afoot here. There, there, is, a, um, there is perhaps an infiltration of which uh, many people are unaware. Remember how we said that anyone can buy a house in the U.S.? That's true. It's more true than you think. Anyone means anyone, anywhere in the world. Yeah. And recently, there are a lot of people who have been taking this seriously. These issues that we've been discussing here, 
uh, experts looking at this stuff, very concerned that maybe the individuals buying up a lot of the property, including um, you know condominiums, houses, even just renting the renting of apartments, uh, people who are buying up this property and driving up the prices aren't actually human beings that live in homes because they need a place to live and grow and maybe start a family. Who are these entities? Are they individuals? Are they companies? And where are they located if they are not here in the United States? And we know what you're thinking, folks. It's the same thing we thought, too. What the f- And we're going to learn about that right after a quick word from our sponsor. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. 
Here's where it gets crazy. There are multiple factors leading to any housing crisis, but foreign investment does play a huge, often undiscussed role. Let's let's picture it this way. Let's say um, let's say you, Matt Frederick, are. Oh, oh God, I don't know. Okay, do you want, yeah. Let's do it. Do you want no, an, let's do Seth. Do Seth's here. Seth's here. Seth's here. Okay. All right. Um, so we'll give you we'll give you an alias, Seth, so you can really get into character. Um, oh, the shadow. Yes. The shadow knows. <laughs> the shadow knows. Okay. Uh, we're going to call you Sethery, uh, the shadow for this one. So, all right. So let's say, uh, let's say Sethery is a well-to-do individual in a not so well-to-do part of the world. Seth, Seth, the shadow has made Scrooge McDuck money, but every day, every day, Seth, you're waking up haunted by by the fear that uh, the government may do something either incompetent or corrupt, rendering uh, the fruits of your labor and your financial hoard worthless. You start panicking, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've worked hard for my giant uh, money vault, and I need to ensure that my hard work was not in vain. I need to... Uh, Maybe I'm more competent than my government. Maybe that's the way it is. And and this, dude, you're right on the money there. You feel that way. And it's true. You really do just have a giant tower of coins and various other treasures. So mm-hmm. you got to. And just like Scrooge McDuck, I worked hard for it. I didn't. I wasn't born rich, Scrooge McDuck. No, wait. Yes, that's correct. I've literally <laughs> been reading a bunch of Scrooge McDuck comics recently. He was not born rich. He uh-huh. worked hard. He earned that money. I'll, I'll get you guys more details later. I'm not done with the book yet, but <laughs> <laughs> that's right, laddie. That's right, laddie. I made he my money. He was not born with a, a silver spoon in his in his bill. He 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 had to earn it. Okay, so Sethry the Shadow is also a duck in this scenario, uh, a, a humanoid uh, tycoon duck, and has these real concerns. Seth, you're saying, quack quack. I need a place to put all this cash. I need some something, uh, some kind of some other kind of money vault, and it needs to be tucked away from the potential disasters ahead in my country. Now, not to Beagle Boys, <laughs> yes, no, not to uh, not not to point uh, duck duck tails at anybody, but uh, you may even have been uh, have made some of your fortune. Uh, by contributing to the instability of this country. And you don't want to be there for the fallout. That, that's, not, that's not a good look for a smart duck like you. If we're being practical, if I'm this wealthy, I'm pretty sure I did some bad things. Not, not, to, not to besmirch anyone, <laughs> but if you get Scrooge McDuck rich, you got some Scrooge McDuck problems. That guy, I'd say at least once a week, he had some sort of adventure of someone causing problems in his life that perhaps he contributed to. That's very true. It's a very yeah. good point. Uh, so what what happens next, Matt? What happens to uh, oh. Seth the Shadow? Well, here here's the best part. Uh, the Shadow has friends, and he's had people who've been helping him out in all of these pursuits. Some of them he may consider employees, others partners, others maybe even 
fixers. Who knows? But he's got some friends and they're in a similar bind. They've made a lot of cash. They need a place to put it. And every one of them is hearing the same thing. It's a, it's a distant call from across the pond, let's say, that says, put your money over here. It's safe over here. Be smart. Invest abroad. And the best thing that the whisper does is it says, you don't even have to leave. You stay right where you are. Just ship us that cash and we're good to go. No plane hopping, right? You don't have to, you don't have to ride on a jet with the commoners. I, I mean, of course, uh, Seth, you already have a private jet in this scenario. Uh, but you, And a private pilot, Launchpad McQuack. <laughs> and a private pilot. Of course. I love that we're painting this universe out and giving it. We're going to have to return to this example. Uh, yeah, you can, you can give old Launchpad a break that weekend because, as you said, Matt, uh, Seth can do this all online. He, not oh, yeah. only do, he doesn't have to leave his country. He doesn't have to leave his house. Yeah, he, he can't do it all online. But really, it's preferable if you actually ship the cash somehow to, to our country. Just the cash, like just cold, hard boxes of cash. Mm-hmm. In, or, or, or in sacks or in suitcases with a dollar sign on them. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Or just, you know, start an LLC in Delaware and put all your money into that and then buy the house through that. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Remind me to tell you guys one day about uh, the brilliant financial moves of Ikea. It's ma- Machiavellian. It is so evil. But anyway, anyway, uh, we are we are taking a lighthearted approach to a very real problem. So let's continue this. Uh, let's let's say that um, our Seth the Shadow is based in is looking at property uh, that he could buy somewhere in the world. And he looks at Germany and he looks at Thailand and he looks at Australia and then he says, "Oh, Canada." That was unintentional, and I apologize. Uh, seriously, <laughs> very funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> There are a lot of people who have made the same decision that our that our fictional avian Seth has made. Uh, and we know this because there have been some pretty damning case studies about it. Beginning back in the late 2010s, foreign investment and real estate speculation in many major cities of Canada uh, caused this boom this seismic shift in the real estate market, it led to a massive increase in not only the price of buying a home, but the price of renting one. And, and it was also seeing a, a very steady drop in interest rates, right? So that's, that's how much you, when you get a mortgage, how much you actually have to pay back that is not a part of the principal, like what you, the loan that you took out, just extra money you got to pay the bank. It's the uh, so that for was, the bank. Yeah, exactly. So, so that was dropping, right? But then the price of the homes is rising, and that's been happening since the 1990s. It signaled to consumers, just the everyday person, including the shadow there, that the real estate market had become the perfect, stable place to invest your money, no matter where it came from. Yeah, and there was this, there was this act now feeling right? For many, many investors. So they said, hey, this is a good thing. Don't know how long it's going to be. It's going to last. And I would hate to be late to the game here. So they poured into the market. 
We should also mention they're pouring into a market that is full of young, well-intentioned Canadians who are thinking this is going to be the year. This is going to be the year when we get our own home. And that's why in March of 2017, the cost of owning a home in Toronto alone, in the greater Toronto area, so not even like downtown or whatever the arts district is, just the suburbs of Toronto, it had grown 33% in the course of a year. Even the um, even the homes that a lot of people wouldn't necessarily think too much of, like the semi-detached kind of townhome stuff, those surpassed a million dollars in asking price. And this problem is not unique to Canada because uh, let's say, and Seth, I hope you don't regret allowing us to use you as an example here fictionally. No problem. Okay. Well, let's, okay. So let's say, let's say you look at this and, and you're like, well, it's, Canada is not for me. Too many people found out about the greater Toronto metro area and too, too many people, somebody blew up the spot in Vancouver or whatever. And so you turn your gaze south and you look at the U.S. Statistically, you're probably looking at California. Uh, that's that's going to be the most popular place for a, uh, a duck in your position. And that's where we run into the problem with the U.S. This is an ongoing thing. Uh, and to explain the situation, we're going to need to introduce you to the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. They're a unit of the Treasury Department with a, uh, a very cool short nickname, FinCEN. That's right. We, we talked about them not long ago, didn't we, Ben? Yep. Good Lord, I can't tell you the topic, but we just discussed them in another financial problem that we were dealing with. I think it had something to do with money laundering and drugs, I think. Who knows? You know better than, than me, whoever you are out there listening, I'm sure. Email <laughs> us and tell us what we did. <laughs> 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 but yes, FinCEN, in 2017, they put out a press release and they found that one out of four, one out of four residential real estate purchases were all cash transactions. Do, do you understand what that means? One in four. That is a quarter of all we're talking minimum hundreds of thousands of dollars, unless you're talking about a home that's in foreclosure that for some reason is below $100,000. And even if it is in foreclosure, depending on the institution that owns it, it may be well above that benchmark number. Um, and that right there just makes you go, okay, so who's got that kind of money? Mm -hmm. What are we talking about here? When, when an individual or a family is upgrading a home, and I'm giving, giving you some quotation there with my fingers, um, generally what's going to happen is even if you've got, if you've paid off your mortgage completely, you've got the entire equity of your home that exists, let's say 250000 that's so low for nowadays, $300,000. God, I can't believe it's that high. Um, but let's say you've just got that in cash, essentially, sitting there. The, that family, unless they are downgrading because of, you know, uh, they need to they need a smaller space. They don't need as much room. There, there are a couple, you know, other situations. Generally, there's going to be an upgrade because you would take that money you've already invested and get a bigger investment. So you're not going to be able to pay for the entire home purchase with just that money. 
even if you've got all of that, um, because you're probably upgrading to 400, 500, $600,000 home. Yay. That that's why the cash purchase feels so strange. That's a lot of money. Baller dude. I, I, and I know that that's a very crude way to describe it, but this is also part of what I would argue is a, um, a newer version of the American dream to come in with the suitcase, to come in with the blank check uh, and to say, to, you know, to, to power move Tony Starkett and say something like, okay, yeah, no, I just look, just tell me what we need to sign. I want this by this afternoon because I, I have a lunch thing. That's similar to what's happening. And it's not as uh, cartoonish as you think. Uh, thanks to the Bank Secrecy Act, which is an uh, anti-money laundering law created in 1970, FinCEN is able to learn who owns a lot of these all-cash transaction properties. A ton of them are in very expensive metro areas, you know, New York, San Francisco, L.A., Miami, all the hits, you know, all the good ones, all the postcard cities. Uh, in those cities, they found that in addition to uh, to having a, a quite a large amount of all-cash home purchases, 30% of those purchases were automatically flagged as suspicious transactions. There's a little bit of true crime here. We don't want to exaggerate it too much, but... Um, and there's uh, there's a great look at this from Reveal, which is part of the Center for Investigative Reporting. In this, they have an interview with a guy named James Wright. James Wright is an attorney, uh, and more importantly, he used to be, once upon a time, a bank examiner for the Treasury Department. He indicates that, uh, in his opinion, there are multiple conspiracies to buy real estate, not as a legit investment, but as a means of laundering money. Think about it like uh, similar to the car wash bit in Breaking Bad. No spoilers. He, he did something really interesting. Uh, he, he talks about the, what went down in Moldova after the fall of the Soviet Union. And he said that at that time, oligarchs were running wild and they were stashing their gains in buildings, you know, hard assets, tangible. It's hard. It's difficult to move buildings. Right. And he has this line where he says, back in Moldova at the time, you would walk down the street and people would point at a certain building and they would be like, that's a washing machine. And everybody knew what it meant. Uh, in today. Yeah, this this should bother you if you're in the U.S. Because today, Wright says America is not that different. As of 2019, the Census Bureau has reported that nearly 3 million U.S. homes and 13 million apartment units are owned not by like uh, Jane and John from down the street. They're they're owned by LLCs or LLPs or shell companies. That's really what they are. I know it's like an impolite term, but they're shell companies. They're meant to hide true ownership. That's nuts. 13 million apartments, 3 million homes. Uh, and, and the proportion of residential rental properties owned by individuals, you know, actual families, 
has fallen drastically. In 1991, it was 92%. And then just by 2015, it was down to 74%. And the trend continues today in 2020. Yeah. And all of that already sounds troubling on the surface. But then you realize, like, well, I mean, with with the numbers you just quoted, they're down to 74% of individual families actually owning and renting these properties. You realize that they're humans that are trying to to get these places and to live in these places and to afford them. And they're competing with limited liability partnerships from somewhere, probably incorporated in Delaware. And who knows where they're coming from? And they're able to buy these things outright, just immediately like that. You got a house. Hey, you got a whole subdivision. Oh, well, here's a whole here's a whole three floors of this awesome apartment building in San Francisco. It's downtown. You're going to love it. It's just it's so intense because the, the individual person, the family that is trying to buy this thing or live in this unit they are vulnerable, not in the same way they're 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 vulnerable to the risks that an LLC or whatever this other shell corporation it they're not going to be vulnerable to. It's the biggest financial decision of your life outside of having a child. Actually, wait, no, it's the biggest financial decision of your life. <laughs> <laughs> How do you treat your kids? Jeez. Well, I mean, he's he's expensive, but he's nothing like this place. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I'm I'm guessing too that your mortgage is longer than 18 years, probably too, right? It's thir- It's yeah, usually 30 if if you don't have a ton of money. <clears throat> so, if you're following the strict rules of you're only raising your child till 18, then your mortgage will be with you longer than your child, technically. It's true, but I'm going to raise him until he doesn't want me anymore. <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's why I only halfway jokingly call a mortgage uh, a financial facial tattoo. Like it stays with you and it will affect your future uh, in, in not entirely negative ways. I mean, you have a place to live, uh, but you are also bound in some very serious and lasting agreements. And we're going to pause for a moment and explore this further, assuming that a shell company does not buy up our podcast while we're doing ads. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. 
Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. And we're back. Uh, just got some text from Illumination Global Unlimited, so we are going to change some of the things that we plan to talk about. Uh <laughs> Oh, I wish it were not true. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we love them. They're our first sponsor and our primary one. So you're right. You're right, guys. These homeowners can be vulnerable. This is a huge decision. And often these folks are doing everything right, everything by the book. They're very organized. They have a realistic timeline, but they are denied the opportunity to buy an affordable home with a mortgage because maybe even after they've put that offer in, Somebody else shows up with an offer that may be higher. It might even be lower, but it's all in cash. And it's all in cash. Like, forget about the home inspection, blah, blah, blah. We don't need to bring a bunch of too much paperwork into this. Don't worry about where this money is coming from. Tell you what, bro, you can keep the suitcase with the dollar sign on it. Uh, that's, that's the situation. And this hits renters, too, because, look, you don't know who your neighbors are. If you live in a major city, sure, that's common, but you should be able to know who your neighbors are. I don't think that's unreasonable. And when you are renting, this lack of transparency can uh, be difficult to traverse as well. Tenants can't figure out who they should complain to if something goes wrong. Local officials want to hold someone responsible for violations of code and so on, but they don't know. They don't know where the buck stops because one company is owned by another company, is owned by another company, is owned by another company, and their fingers on the same hand. It's we found a, a hilarious example of this, or I think it's funny. Just just so you know, uh, just so you get an example of how how weird this stuff can get. 
Uh, it took an investigation from The Guardian and The Washington Post to figure out uh, this problem of anonymous ownership or hidden ownership. And, and they, found one, they found one example that's just funny. Oh, yeah. In the South, several states down here, you know, where we are, there were, there were residents living in all of these different properties, in different apartment complexes, and they all learned at once when, uh, when the Guardian and the Washington Post were doing their thing, they all shared a secret landlord. And, um, uh, oh, the, the name was S-P-M-K-X-G-A-L-L-C, and other really great LLC names uh, of just, you know, a couple of different letters smashed together. And here's here's what the news outlets found out. And all of those people who lived in buildings owned by these LLCs, the actual person behind all of them was a legendary Fox News reporter and personality, Sean Hannity. And iHeartRadio host, I believe. How does he have the time? But, yeah, well, he, he's made a lot of money. Well, and, and here's the thing. He's not he's not a, you know, a foreign company, a foreign investor, somebody who's coming from a different country who's going to launder money or something. He is just he's an example of something unexpected within this realm where there's someone with a ton of money that's able to leverage that money for their own personal gains and to get an investment in something that all of us kind of need collectively uh, a place to live record scratch hold up you might be saying hold up seth Ree, the shadow mcduck hold up uh hold up matt hold up ben uh didn't you guys just talk about FinCEN? isn't it their job to figure out stuff like this you're right uh, you'd also be correct if you guessed that FinCEN has routinely fought journalists seeking information about the true owners of these various properties and cities and sometimes communities. Freedom of Information Act requests have been filed on multiple occasions, and they all seem to just sort of teeter off like a coin down an impossibly deep well into some bureaucratic abyss. And so cases have gone to court. Well, they've yeah, they've gone to court a bunch, and they they get shut down. And the the crazy thing is that FinCEN has all of this information about these LLCs and these companies that own all this property, but they will not share it with the public. And many times they cite that 1970 bank law that essentially states we, we don't we don't got to tell you, <laughs> we don't have to tell you who who actually owns. Uh, these things, these corporations that are making these financial transactions. Um, and it's really protecting the banks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's protecting the banks. It's also, of course, uh, protecting to a degree personal information, right? You're not supposed to publish people's social security numbers, for example. Sure. But it, 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 is, it goes back to that thing you're saying, Ben. It's, it would be nice to know who your neighbors are. I, that's one of my favorite things about living where I live. I know all of my neighbors, and I really like all of my neighbors. I can't imagine not being in that situation. I think your across-the-street neighbor is my favorite, a somewhat eccentric fellow. He's awesome. I do not speak <laughs> ill of him. He has, a, he has an MTG cube, and he's the best. <laughs> Again, Isn't he, that the name of the LLC? The MTG cube <laughs> LLC? Yes. MTG cube LLC. Uh, let's pitch it. Yeah. Um, 
and let's let's see if we can pitch it in another country, you guys. You know, maybe somebody already blew up the spot in U.S. cities. So uh, we need to take a page from uh, Seth's book and look abroad. Turns out the rest of the world is aware of this phenomenon. It gets a lot more news coverage in other parts of the planet. Uh, the U.S. is pretty much is lagging behind. So everywhere from Australia to Israel to the Netherlands, etc., they've all passed laws or enforced laws, I should say, shout out Fenson. They've all enforced laws that better empower the population of the country with knowledge. So Argentina, Australia, Israel, Netherlands, uh, any member of the public can request information about property ownership. In Russia and Ukraine, you don't have to request it. It's already online. Uh, public disclosure is even, if you believe the official story, coming to some tax shelters. So watch out Cayman Islands. If you are listening to this show and you're saying, guys, that's just how business gets done. I, I'm i being smart about it. All my money's in the Caymans. Well, get it out before 2021. Um, or didn't they, didn't they already get exposed? On one of these leaks back in the day, the Cayman Islands, wasn't it them? I think it was. Yeah, Cayman Islands, a couple of other tax shelters, too. Uh, There's another side to this. There's an extreme side. There are some countries that make it virtually impossible for foreigners to purchase property. Uh, Thailand is one of the most well-known examples of this because it has quite a – it's got a high expatriate population or it's, you know, like people will go – from Europe or the U.S. or Australia, and they'll live in Southeast Asia, Vietnam, Thailand, etc. But they have to go through proxies often to purchase property, which is when the rubber hits the road in court, that's not the same thing as owning it yourself. So other countries might be following in this direction. In 2016, people in Vancouver put a ton of pressure on the uh, government of British Columbia. And so they started saying, look, if you buy a home in this area, you have to disclose your citizenship on the sales paperwork. And when they when they put that in play, they found that 10 to 15 percent of houses sold all the time were not going to Canadians and they were not going to permanent residents. They were being owned by someone else. And so in response to this, they put a 15% tax on all sales to foreign home buyers. Discriminatory? Yes. Necessary? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, the shadow just said an extra 15%? No worries. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one thing I really enjoyed about this episode is, is, watching, is watching Seth just like very generously chuckle along <laughs> with, the, with our scenario <laughs> that we're not letting go of. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like this scenario. I like to pretend that I have a bank vault the size of like a skyscraper full of money. That That's something I will never achieve except in this podcast. <laughs> but actually, I, I'm being I was incorrect and I'm being facetious there. Um, the shadow would say, while why would I spend an extra 15 bucks for this investment in this money laundering? Don't call it that. Why would I do that? Why don't I just buy it somewhere else like in Seattle? Let's let's do that instead. And the result of of this 15% tax increase to foreign purchasers of homes, dude, Vancouver 
the 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 average is it the average yeah the average price of homes dropped about 20 percent in just a few months yeah it, it wasn't like oh, over a decade no 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 this was almost immediate how crazy is that uh yeah the and that's specifically single family properties so think of like for a lot of people that's a starter home right and my house <laughs> and right i mean that's that's a great house to buy now it's 20% less of a pipe dream which is a beautiful thing until in we, vancouver in vancouver i was going <laughs> to say until we consider the ripple effects this has because yes our uh Sethry, the shadow McDuck, says, okay, well, why am I going to pay a 15% tax in Vancouver? You guys are crazy. I'm going to check out Toronto. As a result, at the same time, the prices are dropping in Vancouver. They are rising in, wow, that's a mess. This is definitely yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's all good. Okay, well, now it's now it's a bird. So they were uh, they were rising in other cities because investors still wanted to stay in Canada, and it didn't really matter which city they had a piece of. Well, and think about that. The reason why there's such a strong feeling that this is money laundering is because it doesn't matter if you're paying more. Like if those prices continue to rise and you keep buying them, it doesn't matter if they cost more. It's where your money is going. Mm -hmm. If your money is going into the investment of the equity of that property and in the hopes that it's going to continue to increase rather than just paying a bribe to the government 15% of whatever that cost is, you, you're going to make the decision to just put more money or launder more money into that other property somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And and of course, this is not to say that this is a situation in which all foreign investors uh, or all foreign uh, buyers of of homes are automatically criminals, right? There there are a couple oh, of, of compelling reasons, but the the money laundering thing is a huge loophole. It's naive and uh, indeed insulting to pretend that that's not happening. I mean, it's just like the private art dealers in the world, right? There's there's some spooky financial stuff going on there, and uh, we're whistling in the graveyard if we pretend that we don't know what's going on. So something else happened as well. You may have heard of it, the coronavirus pandemic, COVID-19. Uh, the U.S., for this and other reasons, had often been seen as a very stable place to make an investment. That is not so much the case anymore. Again, not just because of COVID. Several, several compelling reasons. So it seemed for a little bit that in 2019, the problem might start to mitigate itself. Foreign purchases of homes in the U.S. plummeted by 36% in July of 2019, and this was largely due, according to the experts, uh, to the fact that Chinese nationals were not so hot on the U.S. market. They weren't trying to buy homes at exorbitant all-cash prices. I think the total value of stuff that non-U.S. residents overall bought in 2019 was $77.9 which sounds like a huge number because it is. It's a cartoonishly huge number. But that was down from the year before. In 2018, uh, non-U.S. residents or foreigners bought uh, about $121 billion worth of property. And the big thing there is that it was almost 100,000 fewer properties in total uh, in that were purchased in 2019 compared to 2018. Mm -hmm. 
And this happened for for a number of reasons. Uh, partially, the U.S. had some, uh, it still has some difficult domestic conditions affecting its housing market. And also, to be less U.S.-centric about it, the government of China was tightening currency controls. They were paying more attention to the laundromats, basically. And, of course, coronavirus affected everything. It's the breakout star of 2020. Uh, yet this practice continues today. You might be surprised to learn who your neighbors are. And there isn't a clear-cut answer here. Because think about it. Okay, um, I'm a country. I want outside money coming in. It, it makes the whole Ponzi scheme of the economy continue to run. I, and these investors aren't automatically doing something illegal. This stuff is, remember, nothing is illegal until somebody writes a law about it. So now we, we, like, we can see the side of the person who says, you know, I'm not a criminal. I want to stay, I, I want to safeguard my future somehow, you know? And we can also see the side of the people who, like many folks listening today, live in cities affected by this trend. Not only do they live in these cities, but they would also like to live in a house in these cities. And they have a perfectly reasonable desire to know what the hell is going on, who actually owns what. And the problem is compounded because it is very real, but it can be skewed by racism and nationalism in any conversation. Because I don't know about you guys, but I find it intellectually lazy and even worse, uninteresting when people start saying, well, you know, uh, China is coming in and they're buying up all this stuff. And it's like, really? Like, look at juries. 12 people have a hard time working together. Are you telling me that 1.3 billion people all agreed on some sort of coordinated plan? No, these are individual actors. These are, these are smaller groups. Sometimes they're very large corporations, but that's still not like a monolithic thing happening we can't be we we can't fall into that trap that would be a great long-term plan though buy up all the property in major cities and just let it go to blight then just be like mm, sorry <laughs> i love that voice it sounds like uh one of the shadows friends uh, <laughs> mm, too mad <laughs> so that's like that's where that's where we are now we also have to consider that there's a limited amount of existing housing, as we mentioned at the top. It's not as if this problem never existed before foreign invest investors conspired and got involved. We also have to consider one thing that I think a lot of people have been considering recently, which is this. If you want to get residency in another country, uh, it can be tremendously difficult, but there is one huge loophole that most countries have, and that is an investor visa. You can just pay a country to let you live there. It is expensive. Uh, yes, the, the dream country that you probably pictured just now as we described this is expensive, I assure you. What were you thinking, Seth? What was your dream country? I was thinking Canada. Really? I, mm. I love Canada. I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, and uh, I would go up to uh, Vancouver specifically all the time for concerts. And man, oh man, great country. Love that place. Nice. I was I was immediately drawn to Australia. I don't I don't know why. I just I just want to be over there. That would be awesome. 
Yeah, let me crash at you guys' houses. Well, well Ben, don't leave us hanging here. If you had an ideal country, oh. what, what, what would yours be? My reasoning is weird and not practical. North so. Korea? <laughs> oh, gosh. No, I just want to visit without supporting the regime. It's tough. But um, uh, I, I've always dreamed about checking out Bhutan, uh, but that may be more of a visit place. I don't know. I don't want to live in one country forever, which are hopefully words that I don't come to regret later. Canada is dope for sure. Uh, a remote island would be nice. Maybe maybe just find an out-of-the-way place high enough to uh, survive the rising sea levels and just pretend that – just do like a castaway situation. I'll do a castaway situation with Wi-Fi or something. That's that's an excellent idea. And, you know, you come up with 1.5 million and just buy three homes in three different countries and then you'll be good to go. You just use those visas all over the place. Oh, OK, uh, Scandinavia, uh, Turkey minus the crazy guys. I don't know. And I admire <laughs> you for being so focused uh, and, and having this articulated vision. OK, they do. They do have visas and they are investor visas. They are expensive in the U.S. We have something called the EB5 visa. This gives green cards to people who invest five hundred thousand dollars in a U.S. business. So think about it. If you buy an expensive enough home and you set it up as a rental and you set up a business or a shell company that is like, you know, um, totally legit rental properties, LLC, and all you do is rent that one home, haven't you just started a business? Did you just buy a house and get sit and get residency thrown in like the same way you get a free koozie if you buy a car or something? I don't know. Now hold on, we're we're recording this on November fourth here within the United States. I wonder how many people listening right now. It's probably not November fourth anymore. A lot has happened. I'm assuming since today. Uh, but you may be thinking, hmm, property somewhere else. Might be nice. It might be a nice thing to have just in case. I don't know what's happening right now. Maybe everything's great. Hopefully everything's great. But uh, you're you're welcome for for this intel. <laughs> <laughs> South Korea. No, I don't know. This is gonna haunt me. Um, <laughs> I have a book I have to share with you guys. I think I've mentioned it before, but I I know Matt, um, you've seen it, and Seth, I think you would dig it. It's called The Atlas of Remote Islands. It's probably one of my favorite books. Uh, they're they're pretty easy. Well, once you get there, uh, it's pretty easy to stay. I don't know. I'm I I promise you both. I'm going to figure out a country that would be a dream country, and then I'll 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 commit to the bit. But look, I, I have so many commitment problems. I can't even get a temporary tattoo. You know what I mean? That's like all afternoon, and I may come to regret it. But uh, but you guys, you're absolutely right, and Matt. You are, as always, uh, astute and profoundly so here. Many, many things are in flux right now, and many, many people have been at least doing cursory research in what immigration is, how it works. Is there a um, an ancestry loophole I could uh, I could use? Did that tiny rural island in Ireland really mean? U.S. residents are welcome to visit. Uh, their Facebook page got overloaded, by the way, with requests. Um, 
there are a lot of questions to answer. But the fact is, uh, most people in the U.S. are probably not going to move to another country. And a lot of investors are not planning to move to the U.S. They're just fighting to preserve their financial stability. And we can't, you know, we, we can't throw stones. Like, it's, there's something so dangerously tempting and satisfying about saying, it's not our fault, you know, it's all these external factors. We're doing the best we can. But the fact of the matter is this, it was a problem before all this stuff happened. Our country and many countries have an affordability crisis. The majority of the human population lives in urban areas, and that means that many of the uh, jobs that would pay a livable wage are in those urban areas, and that means that housing ends up being more expensive, and that means, I'm very give a mouse a cookie here, that means that we find ourselves in a catch-22. You need to live in a city so you can find a solid job, so you can afford a house. But you can't live in the city because you can't afford to live there and find a job because it's too expensive to get your foot in the financial door. And that's like, I don't know. What's the answer? What should governments do? Matt, can you solve this? Yes. The answer is the suburb. Oh, the suburb. If it weren't for amazing schools in out in your areas, you wouldn't be so expensive, and yet you are. But you're so far away. Approximately 45 minutes to an hour and a half. Oh, suburbs, the answer to all things. I, I hope it's okay that I hype man you a little with that music. Um, there, <laughs> that was great. It was beautiful. The spirit moves us. Uh, I saw Seth get a, get a little tear. <laughs> <laughs> but it is true. That was that was the answer for so long. It was, uh, you know, a city center, and then you, literally you you go a diameter of however many miles, like a driving distance of forty five minutes to half an hour and a half, and you make city centers there, and they thrive because it's it's cheaper there, and then because there are so many people investing in those areas. You get more investment in the infrastructure and things like schools, and then those thrive and thrive. And then you got to drive 45 minutes from that place to start the next one to make it affordable. And it just goes on and on and on. Oh, uh, and the future of the suburbs, perhaps, is an episode for uh, for a different day. Is what I very much want to explore with you because I've, uh, I've got some troubling stuff about them and the future of what it, <laughs> no i totally agree with you but what about the future of the isolated mountain cabin that's what i want to know about because that's where i'm headed did you guys ever see blade runner 2049 yes mm -hmm. i loved there's a very subtle suburb joke in blade runner 2049 where um you know uh ryan gosling arrived in san diego and the chiron on the screen said san diego just outside los angeles <laughs> and I thought that was a very good joke because it, it, that makes sense. The urban sprawl of Los Angeles will eventually get so big that San Diego, which is very south, if you guys don't know your, your uh, geography, will just be a suburb. A suburb, a suburb of Los Angeles will be San Diego, you know? <laughs> oh, Lord. And that's where the, this is a question we want to pass on to you all. Uh, I. Seth would love to have you back for our exploration of the suburbs and some of the things on the possible horizon for for that kind of living situation. 
should governments do anything? How do you how do you write a law that does this that is not a laughably discriminatory? Uh, there is a bipartisan anti money laundering bill that passed uh, the House of Reps in October. Actually, this would require banks to disclose the true owners of shell companies to FinCEN, but still would keep the public in the dark. So the question I think here that that everyone is is wrestling with, uh, with these conspiracies aside, and they are conspiracies, especially if they're money laundering. The question is this, how do we square that American dream, the idea that all should be welcome when it seems that pursuit of that dream by one party may render the same dream impossible for others? Isn't that how it's always been? Yes. No one has figured this out yet. It just the way it's I think that's the way the American dream is supposed to be. You got to fight over it. <laughs> you can't have your dream because I got mine. Like, I know, I'm sorry. That's that's messed up. And that's not true necessarily. I think maybe it feels that way sometimes. I completely agree with you, man. I'm, I'm 100 percent on board. In fact, I would expand that and say it's uh, it's a programming flaw of the species in general, like. Uh, a motto like humans, the tagline would be like humans. I got mine. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> it sounds like a that sounds like a like a slogan for the robot overlords. Humans, yes. <laughs> I've got mine. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's do an episode just for future robots about uh, about systemic inequalities in the human owning market. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. You know. I, I could see humans basically being the puppy of the oh, of the yeah. robot overlords. Like I I I think I'm okay with that life, honestly. Like if that was presented to me as an option, mm. eh, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. My my puppies live very well, so mm-hmm. who knows? Mm. Yeah, yeah. As long as it came with a collar and a water bowl, I guess would be fine. Mm-hmm. And is it a cool robot? You know what I mean? Like, does yeah. it does it do interesting things? I'm sure it will teach you tricks and you'll be like reciting pie to the polite bored applause of the robot friends who came over for dinner. Uh, Anyhow, anyhow, this stuff aside, we do want to know what you think. Right now, one of the most important questions is, why isn't FinCEN releasing the info that it has? Is there an incentive not to do so? And if so, what is that incentive? We hope that we have uh, been very clear that we don't want to mischaracterize this uh, the the problems are domestic, but uh, the forward investment thing is something that hasn't hasn't really been talked about, and we don't want it to lead to xenophobia. But again, it, it just we've reiterated it before. It is not crazy to want to know who your neighbors are. That's right. And if you do want to reach out to us, we are all over social media. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook where we're Conspiracy Stuff. On Instagram, we're Conspiracy Stuff Show. If you don't want to use those things, you can give us a call. Our number is 1-833-STDWYTK. And we're especially interested to hear from anyone out there who has at one time worked for the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. Do you want to blow a whistle or maybe not that? You don't have to do, you don't have to go that far. Just Call us and explain some of this a little bit further because it's difficult to understand why things are as they are. 
And we'd also like to hear from folks who have relocated permanently from one country to another. Tell us your circumstances, tell us what led you to this decision, and tell us uh, if all things being equal, you would do the same thing again. We're very interested in this story. We can't wait to hear from you. Uh, as Matt said, you can find us on the phone. As we said earlier, you can find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash conspiracy stuff. And if you have been entranced by the dulcet tones of our super shadow producer, Seth Nicholas Johnson, uh, we have more good news for you. Uh, Seth, you don't just uh, drop in and help out with this show, right? You're a man of many interests. Where can people learn more? Well, uh... Mostly, I have a record label, and I, I like to deal with all that stuff. I don't really have any personal social media accounts, but you can find my record label, which is me, uh, Haunted Birthday Records. You can find it on Instagram, at Haunted Birthday. Go to hauntedbirthday.com. That's me. Also, uh, I'm hosting a new show here on the iHeartRadio Network one month from now. Uh, starting on December 11th, there's a brand new show coming out uh, on this network called Record Store Society. It's a virtual trip to the record store. You hop on in, you uh, visit with your friends, you thumb through some 45s, and you have a grand old time. And uh, yeah, you know, it, it's a great way to get out of the house and visit your local record store virtually in these times when it is perhaps a bit difficult to do so. Hmm. Analog record stores. A perfect place for the shadow to put his money. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. <laughs> and that's our show, folks. Maybe Matt and I will be able uh, will be able to swing by that record store uh, as, as well. Uh, we hope that you do. Uh, and check it out uh, December 11th. In the meantime, if you have some responses to this, if you want to tell us more, but you hate social media, we get it. Uh, you don't quite, you know, get the uh, dopamine rush some people experience from a phone call. Totally cool. We've got you covered. You can send us a good old-fashioned email wherever you are right now we are conspiracy at iheartradio.com Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.